2: What's going on everybody? This is Jimmy Kempsky from phillyvoice.com. With me as always is Brandon Galton of Bleeding Green Nation. This is BGN
1: Radio episode number 114. Brandon, how are you holding up during these troubling times? Jimmy, I'm holding up. We got a lot to talk about today. should be a good podcast. I feel like they're all good podcasts, but I feel like, especially today, there's some a good amount of stuff to talk about, even though we don't necessarily have a ton of direct Eagles news, but we have some and, and we'll get into that here. Yeah. So I guess we'll start with uh
2: news from well, a scoop, I guess, from Jeff McLean of the Philadelphia Inquirer, who reported that uh, and we'll we'll come back to this, but Alshon Jeffrey, the Eagles tried to trade rather Alshon Jeffrey during the season last year. We'll talk a little bit about Jim Schwartz's influence over the team and the moves that they made in free agency. We'll do a sort of a a draft of, I guess the most likely players the Eagles will take in the first round. What do you want to do, five rounds on that?
1: Yeah, we'll do five picks each. A
2: lot of heat around uh, Justin Jefferson. We'll talk a little about him. Talk a little bit about about Denzel Mims. Uh, We'll talk about whether they can even afford to take any other position other than wide receiver in the first round. Talk about maybe their most likely non-wide receiver first round pick. Uh, I did a couple stories on... Some you know lesser known uh, current Eagles players in Matt Pryor and Jannard Avery. We'll talk about a little about those guys, and uh, we'll talk about the video games that we've been playing. So let's start off with uh, Alshon Jeffrey. Your initial thoughts on that?
1: Yeah. So Jeff McLean uh, setting up the report here. Jeff McLean reported on uh, Monday night, April sixth, for context here, that the Eagles have been "quote unquote" actively shopping. Jeffrey since or really I should say they started to one month after the Eagles guaranteed his contract for 2020. Uh, McLean's you know go read Jeff McLean's whole report obviously for the full context but basically again like the Eagles have been trying to move on from Alshon Jeffrey it seems like for a considerable amount of time and hey Jimmy what happened between that span of when the Eagles guaranteed Alshon Jeffrey's contract and then they wanted to trade him all of a sudden well, it's, the timeline of it, of it was pretty interesting to me because the timeline is
2: they redid his deal on, I think it was September 7th. The Josina Anderson report, again, I'm just going off uh, memory from writing this post this morning, which, by the way, we're, we're recording on uh, Tuesday, October 17th. Does that sound right to you for the we're Josina there. Anderson report? So, quote unquote, about a month later from the you know initial contract redo falls in between those two things. So (laughs) Alshon (laughs) kind of bitched to uh, Josina Anderson after they tried to trade him. And in McLean's report, it said that Alshon became aware that they were trying to trade him. Maybe his bitching to Josina was sort of a direct result of, you know, finding out that they were trying to trade him. And if you'll note, you know, the year before he was, you know, he's bashing Wentz. This year he bashed Wentz as well, but he included some Howie bashing in his uh, in his uh, you know anonymous comments to Josina this year. So that's pretty interesting. I thought that was new information to me. Like I didn't know anything about that. You know there are reports that'll come out, and like I'll like, I'll kind of have an inkling about you know what what whatever is being reported. I hate when reporters do that. By the way, on Twitter, where like a report comes out and they're like, yeah, I knew about that. Like, all right, well, well, maybe you should have reported it then. So I'm kind of doing that a little bit here. But on this one, I didn't know anything about uh, them trying to trade him actually during the season last year. So to me, that kind of says that it's not just about him, you know, complaining anonymously to national reporters. They wanted to trade him before that really even happened this year because they were, you know, obviously either unhappy with his play or unhappy with whatever it was, but that seemed to be like a secondary issue, at least, uh, when if indeed that, that report is correct and the timeline is correct,
1: that, uh, you know, they were trying to move him before that happened. Yeah, I think regardless of when it happened uh, in the timeline, it's like, to me, the takeaway here is people. Like, they've been trying to move on from him for six months now. So, yeah. like, you know, how are we here after Howie Roseman was talking a couple weeks ago about how, like... And then some people are getting this takeaway that he's still in the plans. Like how? How is he still in the plans? Possibly, if this is a guy they're trying to move on for or move on from, and who Alshon himself apparently has felt like you know uh, a certain way about it, and and the team clearly feels a certain way, and players on the team feel a certain way, and Jeff McLean specifically noted in his report that multiple. Like players and uh, team officials believe it was him behind the anonymous reporting. I mean, that shouldn't be a surprise, but he did specifically note that as well. So all of this to me is just to like, I I just don't understand the people who are like, well, maybe Alshon can get healthy this year and give this team something like I I still don't think he's going to be on the team. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the point on
2: getting healthy, which is the one that Howie Roseman made even in the conference call that he had with uh, the Philly media I guess, what, like a week and a half ago or so, you know, he said their their goal is to get him healthy. And I think they're maybe holding out some false hope that they'll be able to deal him at some point. But the one thing that is kind of interesting is that the COVID-19 outbreak, who knows if the season's even going to start on time. So if you look at the timeline in terms of, no. uh, of Alshon Jeffrey and his, you know, becoming healthy again, the timeline is around for his return would be around like September-ish, like the beginning of September for the amount of time it typically takes to recover from the Liz Frank surgery that he had. So if the season is delayed or whatever, and he becomes healthy before the season begins and like, I don't know, let's say training camp is in like September, October or something like that. And the season just gets off to a super late start. Then maybe Howie does kind of have like a puncher's chance at trading him without it being, you know, super destructive (laughs) to uh, their draft capital. So, you know, I can understand why they would have paid like you and I both thought that when the CBA was done and they had the June 1st release at their disposal at that point, which meant that, of course, they could kick some of the dead money into 2021 as opposed to taking the full brunt of the $26 million this year. We both thought that he was going to bang. He was going to be gone. That didn't happen, obviously. But uh, and it does make sense for the Eagles to have patience, you know, at least explore any and all options and trying to. Because the the difference between trading them and cutting them, even with the June 1st designation, is if you trade them, it's a $16 million dead money hit. But that's it. Whereas trading them, it's going to be 26 either way. It's just a matter of how much you can offset to 2021. So it would be a savings of $10 million if they're able to trade them for literally anything.
1: Uh, So I think Aushon is definitely the obvious kind of elephant in the room. I mean, Howie Roseman literally used that phrase. Yeah, he did. I think one, Jimmy, that people don't really – People, meaning everyone, I guess you and me included, that it doesn't get talked about a lot is the Jim Schwartz dynamic on the Eagles. Because, uh, and, and to Jeff McLean's credit, again, this is like the Jeff McLean uh, hour <laughs> right. at the top of the podcast here. But, you know, yeah. obviously. He's had good a good work. year. Yeah. Uh, to his credit, he's been all over this. And that Jim Schwartz has a very unique amount of power for an NFL coordinator. You know, not a head coach. Like, this is a coordinator who has a lot of influence over personnel. And, you know, this dates back to McLean's original story about this topic, which was really funny to me in hindsight because of, like, do you remember this, Jimmy? It was week one of the 2017 season, and McLean put out that report about how, like, you know, Schwartz kind of has this growing influence and there's like there could be kind of some kind of power struggle between him, Schwartz and Doug, and so many fans got so mad about that. I remember, <laughs> right? Because I, I shared it on Bleeding Green Nation, so so many people. Were I like, think Why they were really mad at the this? timing in particular, because yeah. it was
2: like right before the start of the season. You're trying to torpedo the season. Big
1: It got swept under the rug because of what happened that season. They won the Super Bowl. Right, of course. that didn't mean there was nothing there. I think a lot of people were like, you know, that was a nothing story. I don't really think so. I think this has kind of been kind of like a sleeping giant issue that kind of could rear its head. Not like immediately. It might not be this season. I don't know when. But I think it is going to – it could at least rear its head at some point. And I just think it's an interesting dynamic. Just a lot of the things that I've heard over time about Jim Schwartz – Uh, In this regime is, you know, there is something real to those those uh, stories that McLean is writing about, like Doug and and Jim Schwartz not necessarily being on the same page. And there are kind of being uh, some weird power dynamics there. And just look at this offseason. I wrote an article about this on bleedinggreennation.com last week. Look how much influence you can really point to Jim Schwartz having not even just the coaching, not just the roster, the coaching staff, the front office, all three levels. I mean, you look at the coaching moves. We'll start there because that's what happened first. You know, Matt Burke, who literally never coached the defensive line at any point in his career, but, you know, was with Jim Schwartz in both Tennessee and then Detroit. He gets promoted to not only defensive line coach. But some weird made-up title the Eagles never have even had before, run game coordinator on the defense. <laughs> right, right. They promote Jeremiah Washburn, who was Jim Schwartz's offensive line coach in Detroit, to this like who who had been brought on last year in a made-up role as like an advanced project coordinator. They promote him to. Andy Wydell's old role, like right. as the number two in personnel, <laughs> right. like this guy just joined the organization last year and he's leapfrogging other people. Yeah. Uh, a significant another, front office position for sure. And then obviously also, and then in addition to that front office role, apparently Washburn is still doing some kind of thing to help the defensive coaching staff, which is like, when do you ever see a front office guy also have a coaching position? Like that's just bizarre and unprecedented, really. And then Marquand Manuel obviously played for Jim Schwartz, the Eagles new defensive backs coach. So you look at that tie. And then I hit on the front office thing with Washburn. But then when you look at the roster moves, I mean, literally everything they did in free agency except sign, resigned Nate Sudfeld to like a $2 million deal, was to address the defense. Like every single move. And Nicole Roby Coleman used to play for Jim Schwartz. Um, Darius Slay used to play for Jim Schwartz. Like he has a lot of power in this organization. And I don't know if it's an issue right now. And it's like it's something that's going to sink the team. That's not necessarily what I'm trying to say here. I just think it's uh it's an interesting dynamic to keep monitoring. Yeah, I don't really have much to add. And you can you can, you can maybe add in that they retain
2: Rodney McLeod, a player that he has low key really loved uh, in this defense, and probably paid McLeod more than he's worth. They kept Jalen Mills around, and he's going to play in a new role that they trust him in. I think uh, you know maybe Schwartz has has some. Um, um, I, I obviously nobody likes Jalen Mills more than Jim Schwartz, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the influence that he had there is probably pretty evident. So yeah, I mean, I don't think you just stop at those two guys. And I mean, you look at the past and there's a very well documented history of of outside players having been brought in that formerly either played for or have some kind of association with Jim Schwartz. So yeah, I mean, you look at the number of guys that, that are Jim Schwartz guys versus the number of Doug Peterson guys. I mean, how many Doug Peterson guys have they have they brought in?
1: Like Chase Daniel? Marty Mornweg as an Mar- offensive assistant <laughs> this offseason. season. <laughs> Anything else? <laughs> uh, yeah. Any, I mean, any, any offensive- other players? I mean, they didn't even bring anyone in on offense. <laughs> like, well, yeah, probably, but I mean, I mean, over the years, yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, you, there's no one really from else from the Chiefs, right? Yeah, yeah it's really hard to think of any. Well, and uh, and I think that's and that's a great fine. Thing. I, I yeah, I actually don't think that's a bad thing at all.
2: It's I, it's just interesting, like the way that you put it mm-hmm. in uh, in in the post that you read that I. Uh, that I read just before the uh, before the podcast here was um, his influence is as you put it, quote unquote, unparalleled for mm-hmm. an N- for an NFL coordinator. And I read that, and I was kind of trying to think like, are there any like superstar coordinators out there that I can think of that um, you know? Ha- and, and I don't know personnel moves as well as uh, obviously I do with the Eagles. So that's that's it. That's an interesting question. I'd be curious to kind of take a look at that, but. Just on reading that, that line, it was kind of like, yeah, it'd be hard for another offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator to um, have that much influence over roster decisions for sure.
1: So here's my, I guess, I'll, I'll cap this little talk about Schwartz with this. This is my theory about why especially it seems like he had so much power uh, this offseason. I think you have to go back to how there was that weird, ambiguous line. or like Doug, Doug Peterson kind of left Jim Schwartz's status initially. Ambiguous uh, at the end of the year. Yeah, funny, funny enough. In the same press conference that he said might grow and Carson Waltz definitively would be back, he was kind of like less certain on Jim Schwartz, and he actually apologized. Like, he issued a statement, Doug Peterson, and he, like <laughs> right. apologizing to Jim Schwartz. Like I don't, I don't know. Like I don't know for sure if Jim Schwartz is like demanding that apology, but like I thought that was interesting looking back at it in the context of all that happened. Totally unnecessary for them to do that, by the way. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so my theory here, and it's just a theory, is that Jim Schwartz. Well, this part isn't a theory. I know for like I know that Jim Schwartz really wants to be a head coach again. I think. Do you know that too? Like I think it's he, oh he for really, sure yeah, like, yeah who yeah. doesn't? But yeah. like he yes he absolutely does. I, I I know that. So I think this is his kind of push to do that. I think this is like, all right, I want to be a head coach. Like He's pushing for more influence than ever, especially when you look at how the Eagles have spent on their defense the past couple of years. They only ranked 21st in cap space in 2019 and 23rd in 2018. By contrast, they were 8th in 2017 and 12th. In 2016, so I think he wanted more resources in his defense And I think this is kind of his push to like kind of have a really good defense and, and get a job somewhere else And I think on the Eagles end, I think they like Jim Schwartz And I think they think he's a very good defensive coordinator But I also think they they are aware of, you know, of his influence And how they might have to cater to him And how he's had a reputation at times before at least in other stops of kind of being an abrasive guy <laughs> so i, I think they well, would they'll they know of, if he's abrasive or not just being in the building with them Well, will know that <laughs> they, too they, of course they
2: can form their own opinions on that he's been there for four years
1: yeah i'm just saying like we yeah so knowing that is you know quality that has been associated yeah. with him like i think they necessarily wouldn't hate you know if he got hired somewhere else uh even though they they do think he's good so that's that's just something i think to tuck away and, uh, and then maybe it ends up being a nothing thing, but I, I, I don't think it is. I think it's kind of a, a little bit of a sleeping issue. Jimmy. Did you know, – uh, so hold on. Before
2: we – one more thing on Schwartz. Did you notice in uh, All or Nothing that you don't see Schwartz once? Yep. Like certainly not in any – like he doesn't talk at all. But even like on the sideline shots, you don't really see him at all.
1: Yep. Uh, <laughs> John McMullen – I think had said something about that, that he had heard that Schwartz specifically like, didn't want to be in it.
2: Yeah. He's, without without a doubt, he did not want to be on that show.
1: And they didn't have him in. They listened to him. <laughs> That's interesting. Because I think they, you know, thinking about it, he might want to boost his profile and that could be a chance. <laughs> but uh, yeah, who knows?
2: Uh, evidently not. <laughs> well, right. I, think, I think that the downside to being on those shows is worse than the upside. Like you watch okay. um, uh, Hard Knocks and – more often than not, you come in you come off you come away like thinking about the team that they cover, like the people in charge being idiots. <laughs> so like, like more more than more often than you come away thinking, wow, that guy's that guy's really smart. Anyway, uh, take a quick break here, and then we'll come back and we'll do our Eagles most likely first round option draft.
0: Brandon.
1: Back after this. Back here on BGN Radio, episode 114. 114. Jimmy, it is time for the draft—not the NFL draft, our draft of drafting the Eagles. Most likely, first round options. How are we going to decide who goes first? Do you have a coin? All right, one? I was looking for a coin, but I—I I do have a, a glove here. One okay. side, one side is
2: white. One side is gray. Okay. So call, <laughs> call white or gray in the air. Ready? Go. Gray. It's white. Boom. Got it. All right. I'm going chalk. I'm
1: taking Justin Jefferson, wide receiver, LSU. Yeah. So I want to ask you a question about that. Okay. Mr. Jimmy Kemski, uh, you know, throwing out a little nugget out there, it seems like. Someone asked you in your mailbag question or in your mailbag post recently on Philly Voice, they're like – I'll sum up the question. It was to the effect of, uh, you know, you had a good sense, and a lot of people had a good sense that Derek Barnett was going to be the Eagles' first-round pick in 2017. Mm-hmm. And they asked you, "Who is that guy this year?" And you said, "Justin Jefferson." Is that a little inside info, Jimmy?
2: Well, okay, so I'll get a little me, hint. Let me uh, let me preface anything that I say. <laughs> be careful about quoting me here if you're going to quote me. Use the whole thing, but uh, what I'll say is that draft information is like the least reliable information that I come across during the course of a year like it's more often than not it's nonsense okay so I don't I never trust it I never really put anything out there in terms of things that I hear about the draft because more often than not it's not right so you know anything that I say about the draft please don't take it super seriously in terms of like information wise but I have heard that the Eagles like him. I don't think I'm going too far out on a limb on that one. Mm-hmm. And just logically speaking, like, it just makes sense. Like, I think we all have kind of come to the agreement that, you know, one of the top three guys, by that I mean Alabama's Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs, Oklahoma's CeeDee Lamb. None of those three guys are going to be there at 21. So if there is a guy that's going to be there at 21, and, and I think Justin Jefferson has kind of become like that, that clear number four guy, if you will like he's kind of in that tier that like number 2 tier on his own and then after him you have guys like Brandon Ayuk or Denzel Mims and you know so on and so forth. So he's that fourth guy in my opinion consensus wise. So I think if there is a guy that's available at 21 that they'll just be happy is still there and don't have to trade up for him and they may trade up for him anyway. I think it's Jefferson.
1: Yeah, I think the Justin Jefferson thing is interesting, and Kiss and Solak did a good job of talking about this in their most recent podcast here on the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed, a little bit in more detail. I think when it comes down to like him, I get like that. Uh, so, what the obvious concern that people have is like, okay, he's only a slot; he's not like a burner, blah blah blah, that kind of thing. I don't really think the way the way I'm like, kind of sensing it. I don't think the Eagles really are focusing on fit with him so much. Like, I don't think that's their that top of mind thing with him. I think they it's as simple as they feel like he's a really good player. And and they have nothing at wide receiver. And they want a player at wide receiver who would improve <laughs> that receiving core. Yeah. And I think when you're talking about fit, who are some of the players that Justin Jefferson is being compared to? And now, these are gaudy comparisons. And sure. <laughs> and they might not be perfect, but I've seen Michael Thomas. That's from Evan Silva. I've seen Keenan Allen. That's the big one's Keenan, All- Keenan yeah. Allen. Keenan is, Allen is probably the most common comp to him. Daniel Jeremiah broke that one out, um, okay. which is, a, again, another really interesting uh, source of information to always pay attention to when it comes to the That Eagles makes sense because a lot of people just copy him. <laughs> <laughs> considering his ties, yeah, to the organization. Ideally... Is Justin Jefferson, Michael Thomas, like, is that exact receiver what the Eagles need in terms of, like, a deep threat? Not, no, like, not perfectly, not one for one, but, like, are the Eagles better <laughs> adding either of those players? But even let's just say Keenan Allen, because Michael Thomas is obviously a whole different animal, arguably the best receiver in the league. Like, are the Eagles better off than they are right now with Keenan Allen? Like, undoubtedly, right? Like, that, there's no debate there. Um, so I think it's as simple as that for them And I also think the way he projects In terms of, he's only He just turned 21 in January Mm. He is extremely athletic He, he's an elite Athletic uh, relative score Shout out to at mathbomb on Twitter Who does those, he checks the box In terms of production, obviously 18 touchdowns At LSU, super productive High character guy, seems like Really good work ethic, reading about his Profile and everything, reading about his background His upbringing I just think like yeah, I, I I buy the rumors basically. Is what I'm trying to say here. There's a lot of rumors out there. Like that I don't think that's a smokescreen. I think they really do like him. Like to your point, that draft information can kind of be meaningless. I mean, I I think it can also be meaningful, but it just doesn't matter because situations change. Like this thing is true, but like the like last year the Eagles were really being connected to Hollywood Brown, for example, and I think they probably right, would have right. taken him, but like they didn't expect Andre Dillard to fall in their lap. So like things change. And I I think, so all this is to say, I think they really do like Jefferson. I think a lot of people are a little too close-minded on him. And I think I was there at first, but I've kind of opened up a little bit about it more. Like It's just about getting a good player to some extent. And I think he's a very good player. So with my pick, and we're doing a snake draft here, right? Yes, you get the next two picks. Okay. And then I get the next two picks after that. So we'll go (sighs) 2-2-2-2. So it's tough after Jefferson. Like, I don't, like, the, the confidence I have after, like, them liking him. As their number one guy, it's not the same. But I'll say Jalen Rager is the number two. Okay. Uh, he he is what the Eagles ideally kind of need in terms of someone who is explosive. Uh, Adam Kaplan was the one who mentioned that uh, Eagles wide receiver coach Aaron Moorhead was actually teammates with Monte Rager, Jalen's dad, hmm. in Indianapolis. So that's a little uh, cohabitation matrix box to check off. Which, you know, has been important to the Eagles in the past and maybe even especially more important in an offseason where you're not like getting the same kind of uh, in-depth scouting on some of these guys. So maybe the Eagles kind of feel like they have an edge there on Jalen Rager. And uh, yeah, so I think he could be the I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if he's definitely a first round guy. Daniel Jeremiah doesn't even have in his top 50 I know Michael Kiss doesn't love him. Uh, it seems like there's kind of a like a really boomer bust divisive opinion on Jalen Rager. You look at how he didn't really produce, and that's something the Eagles have been shy about in the past. Guys who yeah. don't produce, uh, you know, you can blame it on the quarterback, but even still, they, they had a terrible that- quarterback situation at TCU. Yes, he
2: did. The thing that killed him before you move on is uh, people really expected him to run a blazing forty. Like they were expecting yeah. four threes, maybe even sub four three because apparently he had run like a sub four three at some point at tcu and then he ran a four five flat i think wasn't it something like that it was a lot lower than expected and then i was like okay well he's not gonna go first round (laughs) and i i kind of buy that as well but um i like him as a player i'm just looking that up now because now i gotta know for sure what it was if you think that people make too much of 40 times then i'm with you to some degree but when you think think that he's gonna run something and he runs something else it is disappointing he ran a four four seven. yeah you're right mm-hmm. all right on to your number three number three overall i don't want
1: this to happen jimmy so you know <laughs> who i'm picking here but i, I don't I, think, I don't know if i do know who you're who go ahead well it's t higgins i think t <laughs> higgins uh but you know in theory you know he he does have big playability when you look at his numbers and you know he played for clemson so the profile is there I think it's possible that the Eagles could like him. He's not my favorite player because I I don't think he is quite as good again as the profile might make it seem. Uh, I I know he has the big play numbers, but like the speed, you know, the 40 was not good and the way he dodged it at the combine. We talked about that. Don't love that. So there's a lot of things I don't like there. But in terms of him being a realistic pick as opposed to like a, a preference, I think he could be that. So you have Jefferson and then I have Rager and Higgins. So, with my second overall pick, I will take Brandon Ayuk, hmm.
2: wide receiver, Arizona State. So, like, I think he really fits in a need for the Eagles and sort of an under discussed need. We all focus on, you know, uh, a receiver that can, quote unquote, take the top off of a defense. But the other thing they, that they really don't have at all, at all, is a guy that can get yards after the catch. The one guy who could kind of do that was Nelson Aguilar if he could actually catch the football. <laughs> but he's gone now, obviously. You don't have, like, who else is getting yards after the catch? Greg Ward, baby. Goddard, maybe? <laughs> Miles Sanders? But from the wide receiver position, like, nobody, right? No one. So he's sort of, a, you know, the yak monster of this draft. You know, kind of turns into a running back once he has the ball in his hands. got good speed. Very explosive player. And uh, I wouldn't rule out him. Like, if so, if Jefferson goes before 21 the eagles are unable to you know trade up like a a spot or two for him iuk is sitting there and they're afraid to trade back because they don't want to trade back and you got to you got to realize like minnesota sitting right behind them at 21 and then some other teams that are right there also kind of could use receivers maybe just take the (laughs) maybe you just take that guy at 21 like i i like my latest eagles only mock draft i had him trading back to 28 with Baltimore, who, by the way, they've traded with in the first round the last two years. So I had them trading back and taking Ayuk at 28, but I probably think it's more likely if they were to take him, it's just right at 21 because the, the top four guys are all gone. That would be a bad outcome, I think, but I I don't think it's all that unrealistic. My next pick, and you've mentioned this before, Jerry Judy. Hmm. Like maybe uh you, you've talked about like a Macklin-like slide. Yeah. in the in the uh 2009 draft where I remember the Raiders were picking really early and they took uh Darius Hayward Bay but a yep. lot of people were like mocking Jeremy macklin to them and that, I mean that was like really they had, like a like a really early pick I want to say like seventh overall or something like that yep I believe I believe it was top 10 and then I, I think we've we've even talked about this on the podcast like when the Eagles were picking they were sitting at 21 they moved up to 19. And they jumped ahead of the Lions. The Lions took Brandon Pettigrew. So they thought the Eagles – like the Eagles needed a tight end that year too. So when they jumped ahead of the Lions, uh, people thought that – I think Mayock thought, oh, this is going to be Brandon Pettigrew because they jumped ahead of the Lions to get him. And then they took Macklin and Mayock goes, I I forgot he was still available. (laughs) And they're like, he's still there? Wow, what? So uh, the Eagles really did get a good value with him. At least in terms of where people thought he was going to get picked, and I think the same possibility exists with Jerry Judy as as opposed to with uh, CD. I think CD Lamb and Henry Ruggs are going to be the first two receivers that go, and then I think Judy will be number three. And uh, maybe if he does slide to you know that area around 19, they could make a similar trade up for him that they did for Macklin, where it wouldn't really cost him an arm and a leg. Uh, I think that's you know not super likely. But he would be, you know, sort of my fifth guy here.
1: Not, not actually, I-
2: he, he was my third guy. So you took a couple guys that were after him. But gotcha. uh, with, the, with the fifth pick
1: going Cherry Judy. On Ayuk, uh, I do want to mention that he has risen on the Eagles draft board today because he is having core muscle surgery. So, <laughs> oh, you know what? I did see that. Yeah. So yeah. they're, yeah, they're all over him. <laughs> yeah. So it's definitely going to happen now. Had to make that joke. My pick next here, pick number three for me, is kind of going off your logic, but different receiver, it's going to be Henry Ruggs. Okay. Uh, if, if there's some way that Henry Ruggs kind of falls into the Eagles range a little bit, I think, you know, he's a guy they would obviously love to move up for in terms of what they need, or at least they should. Now, Daniel J- Jeremiah is out here saying, like, Ruggs could be the first receiver off the board, uh, and that's really not so crazy, especially it was only a couple of years ago when John Ross is, like, going off the board. He like went ninth eight?
2: overall, yeah.
1: Yeah, nine. But I just think Ruggs is kind of like the dream pick for the Eagles in this draft, or at least one of them in the first round. So I will take him. And then at number four, I'll take Denzel Mims. Okay. I don't think he's the kind of player the Eagles are going to really value, especially I think there's a, there's kind of a Jefferson slash Mims debate, I think out there a little bit. Like I think, cause I think a lot of people think both of those players will be there for the Eagles at 21, which I don't think is a guarantee, by the way, with Jefferson. Like, you you, we, you kind of talked about trading up a spot or two for him earlier. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. DJ, I keep bringing up Daniel Jeremiah, but, like, he has him 14th on his board. Like, yeah. there could be an, a really high opinion of him in the NFL. So, I uh, just wanted to throw that in there. But, yeah, uh, going back to Mims, for what it's worth, he did mention the Eagles first uh, when he was doing a, a, uh, an appearance on a Matt Mosley, former NFC East reporter, uh, radio show down in Texas uh, about the teams who are most interested in him, I think Mims has. I'm kind of worried of the guy who kind of comes up as this like this uh, pre-draft riser. I think the fans start to like get really latch on to him, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we'll get Mims," uh, because like you know he killed it athletically. And he's the size and everything and he could be that vertical guy like I get what there is to like about him But I think people are focusing a little bit too much on what he can do and not enough like on what he can't do And I think the way the Eagles would look at it is that they would value more the the safety of Jefferson's projection than like the boomer bust nature of a Denzel Mims. I think fans it's easier for them to kind of be like we want the guy who could be amazing and awesome and might have the higher ceiling in theory in, in a Denzel Mims, but I also just don't think the Eagles are in that spot, like, I and, and this kind of goes against what I believe in, in drafting, in sports in general, like, going, taking it to the Sixers for a minute, like, especially when they were bad, I wanted them to take the guy with the highest ceiling, I don't care what his floor was, he could, he could be terrible, like, he could flame out, but they needed to take a, sh- a shot at the guy with the highest ceiling, or sorry, yeah, the highest ceiling, I felt like, instead of the highest floor, because, like, they needed a needle mover, for the Eagles, I think they just have nothing at wide receiver. They can't have another miss. Like, they can't afford another J.J. Ortega-Whiteside in the first round this year. Like, they have to get a guy who, and especially the way they've handled it in free agency like, they, they're counting on someone to make an instant impact. And I think, like, Jefferson could be more of that guy. And I just wonder if Mims could be that guy. So, I don't, obviously, I'm, I'm picking him down the board here. But maybe they do like his potential. Maybe they do take the chance, so that's why Mims will be my fourth pick.
2: I will take your CD final pick. Lam. Oh, no, okay. I, have, I have two more picks left. So okay, do I have two more? Yeah, I have two more picks. So I'll take. CD yeah, Lam. So I have one. You have two. Yep. I don't. I won't go into too much detail there. Just basically the same uh, argument that you had for Ruggs. I do wonder again, but I, I do wonder like where the Eagles would have those two guys rated. Like Rugs is the best fit maybe for the Eagles, like sort of the quarterback yeah. dream scenario. But I wonder if. I wonder if CD Lamb, you know, for the reasons that I said before about, you know, they don't really have a guy that gets yards after the catch. CD Lamb's another one of those guys that can definitely do that. He's just a baller. Makes outstanding. <laughs> just makes outstanding catches. He's he's just awesome. He only ran like a four or five. He's plenty athletic enough. Who I don't cares? care. Like yeah. he he's he's just awesome. Just just that's the guy. You're just just like just watch him. <laughs> like if you don't you don't like think he's awesome, just watch him. Just Google his name. And they're all kind of, yeah, just watch them. And then uh, I'm going to go off wide receivers here for my final pick. And I'm going to say Florida cornerback mm. CJ Henderson. Wow. Because I still think they need corners. Like one, one of your outside corners is Avante Maddox. The other one is basically on a two-year contract. Darius Slay is on a two-year contract. So like after two years, they're not. I, I can't imagine they bring him back at his cap number, which is like 19 million. So the way the way that his cap works, let me just pull this up real quick. I we I don't know if we've discussed this on the podcast or not.
1: Justin I touched on this a little bit on the their show.
2: His cap number in 2020 is really low. Okay, so it's four point three million. In 2021, fifteen seven fifty. But it's basically twenty million over those over those first two years. You cut them thereafter. You have a dead money hit of six point five million. That brings you to twenty six million. Five hundred thousand over two years. That's what the deal is. So he's making thirteen million per year over the next two years. In twenty twenty two, his cap number is almost twenty million. You're looking at nineteen million seven fifty for that twenty twenty. They're not bringing him back yet. So the the way that that's going to work is at the end of the twenty twenty one season, if they like do another deal with him, then yeah, he'll he'll stick around. But if not, he's just going to be gone. So I think you still need to address the cornerback position. But you know, beyond Slay, your outside corner right now is Avante Maddox. So like I I don't think that that, that position is is totally settled down right now. My final pick. Sorry, what well, sorry, sorry, one more thing about uh, I didn't I didn't talk about, about the player at all. CJ Henderson is super athletic. He is also uh blessed with nice size at like six one. He's over two hundred. So he's got like Byron Jones type size, Byron Jones type uh, athleticism maybe not as athletic as Byron Jones. The one drawback on CJ, CJ Henderson, he's not a very good tackler. So I wonder how much Jim Schwartz will like him. Jim Schwartz yeah. liked uh, Ronald Darby enough for the Eagles to trade for him, and he's never been a good tackler either. So maybe that's not necessarily uh, a uh, you know just a, an absolute killer for him. But uh,
1: certainly an intriguing player in terms of uh, his size and athleticism. Sorry, Brandon. Continue. You know what has been a killer, I would say, for Jim Schwartz in terms of not liking a cornerback? What's that? Swag, Jimmy. Does Ronald Darby have swag? He has some swag. He's a he talker. He has some swag, yeah. Uh-huh. Does CJ Henderson have any swag at all? answer is no. He doesn't really talk. He doesn't chirp. He's like, that's that's, that's actually held as a knock against him for did, some- Did
2: Sidney Jones have a lot of- Sidney Jones doesn't have any swag with the Eagles, but I can't recall if he had
1: swag at Washington. Yeah, I think he did. I think he had some. Razul did at yeah. West Virginia. I, I just don't think Henderson has that personality that, like, okay. Schwartz loves. I, and I could be wrong, and that could be a stupid thing to say in terms of, like, uh, I don't think it is at all. Like, I think it's very well documented that that Jim Schwartz likes him some swag. Well, I mean, even in terms of valuing it. Like, it's a stupid thing, potentially, like, to value too much, maybe. You know what I mean? Like, if he's good, like, if C.J. Henderson is a really good cornerback, but he doesn't, you know, he's not, like, cocky or anything, well, like, you know, whatever, like... Make it well work. it's a it's a dumb thing to value but it's what Schwartz
2: values so like it's something that we should discuss
1: so I think it's a terrible pick because I don't think it's gonna, I don't think it's gonna happen
2: <laughs> okay well I mean it's it's the it's the ninth pick of the draft
1: yeah I'm gonna go off the board here Jimmy okay totally no one can predict who I'm gonna pick here uh, if you're saying if you're listening to this podcast right now you know give yourself little guesses out loud you're not gonna get it uh, Terrell Lewis Jimmy from okay. <laughs> Alabama. Uh, Jason. That's got to be a
2: trade back, right? Yeah, potentially. They, they're not gonna take him at, in the first
1: round. Uh, they took Marcus Smith oh, no, in the no, first no, round. Not, I
2: mean, not not first round. They won't take him at twenty one. I do think he's intriguing. Like, he's mm-hmm. got a lot of ability, yep. but he's just had this long injury history.
1: So the the way I'm going, like the, my thinking here is that yeah, it could be another Marcus Smith kind of situation in that the Eagles get to twenty one and like all their targets are off the board, and how he kind of panic trades back. And another thought of this, even putting that aside, is Howie Roseman's only ever taken offensive lineman, defensive lineman, or quarterback in the first round of the NFL draft since 2010. That's that that doesn't mean he won't take a wide receiver this year. But like if I'm you know, we're doing likely, I feel like I should put at least one defensive lineman in there. And Jason Locanfora recently put out a post about how uh, he talked about kind of the surprise first round picks that could be. Uh, in the mix this year, and mm-hmm. he specifically mentioned the Eagles when it came to Terrell Lewis, who visited the <laughs> Eagles for an official pre-JAP visit before everything got shut down due to COVID. Oh, did he? I didn't know that. Yes, he did. Did, yep. did
2: you have that? Like when that happened, or did you just find that out
1: recently? Yep. No, I, I've had that. So oh, okay. So I think that's an interesting uh, little dark horse one to kind of end on there. Kind of my, uh, it's like a, it's a long shot one. It's it's not a chalk pick, but uh, I like it. I feel good about it. As a kind of off-the-board kind of pick. Jimmy, though, taking what I just said and kind of our both of our last picks, not wide receivers, can this team really afford not to go wide receiver in the first round?
2: No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, uh, first of all, let's come back to that in a second. Did you have any other players that you had
1: ready to go if you needed them? Like, who are your undrafted free agents? Um, Who do you still have on your board that went undrafted? I was thinking about the linebackers, but I just I can't see it happening. They they haven't done it since 1979. They're really going to do it this year. Like I, I will I will believe the Eagles are taking a first round linebacker when I see it happen. I, I considered Chenault, but I just I can't see it with the injury history. Although yeah. I, even though I'd keep him, Lewis, Kalavon <laughs> right. uh, Chason from LSU. Like I think that could be. <laughs> I think it's Clavon. Klevon, C- yeah. I liked how I said it better. <laughs> Uh, and, and I don't, I don't see them going safety. Yeah,
2: I think, I think Chaseon is more of like a, like a three four guy. Probably. What about you? But, so the two that I had were uh, AJ Epenisa. Yeah. Epenesa. Yeah, I don't love that either. I actually had him in one of my, uh, in like sort of the doomsday version of uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Eagles only mock draft, where like, just the receivers are gone, and they f- they feel like. If they were to just shoehorn a receiver in there, it'd be a reach. And they're just like, uh, "All right, well, let's just take the position we always take." And they take Ep- Epineza. And then I had Javon Kinlaw, who I think is extremely unlikely to get anywhere near them at twenty-one. But yeah, in a Dillard situation, if he got close, there actually is some uh, apparently some like um, injury concern with him. Hmm. Like, he, like is it, you know like the health concerns with him. I don't know, if he falls, then you consider maybe making a, a Dillard like move up for him. Otherwise all all the guys were taken on my list, the ten guys that I
1: had written down. I guess I could put Fulton in there too, Christian Fulton from LSU. Mm-hmm. Uh but getting to So your question two, was <laughs> yeah, your question was can they afford to take
2: well you wanna let's take a let's take a quick break and then we'll come back to uh that topic. Brandon
1: back after this. Back here for the final segment, BGN Radio, Episode 114. Brandon Lee Gouten, Jimmy kemsky here with you to address the question: Can the Eagles really afford to not go wide receiver in the first round? Jimmy, can I start with this? Sure. I I just don't <laughs> see it. Like I look at these mocks that have like the Eagles taking Patrick Queen, for example, right. a linebacker. Forget it. Or, not happening. Yeah. Well, and even putting the linebacker thing aside, I'm like. I just, I get the more and more I've ruminated about this, which is very unhealthy to do, but it's a quarantine time. And honestly, I'm just using it as an excuse that I would do that anyway. Uh, would be that it's just, I, I don't understand. So basically, the way I'm looking at it is if the Eagles don't draft a wide receiver in the first round, they basically they have to at, in the second <laughs> round, right? Like, are they not going to draft one in the first yeah. two rounds? Right. Like, the, the latest mock draft. Which is, you know, it doesn't mean anything. But, like, from Todd McShay, I think it was the oh, Yeah, get. right.
2: He had a linebacker. Then What do you have in the second? I know it wasn't a receiver.
1: It was a corner, I think. Who was the corner? Jalen Johnson, was it? Uh, okay. And then in who any was, case, who
2: was, who was the first round
1: pick? Was it uh, Queen? It was Queen. But like, okay. really? They're gonna spend so they're gonna spend all their resources in free agency <laughs> on defense, and then they're gonna spend their first two picks in the draft on defense. Right. Like, what are the what are the, I, I I don't <laughs> want to get too worked up about it because it's not you know it's not what the Eagles are actually doing. But if they did do that, that would be asinine. Yeah. And I I just think they have to draft a wide receiver in the first round. Otherwise, if you're waiting till the second. How are you possibly? Like okay with that? You you can't just say it's a loaded class. Teams are gonna know you're picking a wide receiver. Like teams already know pretty much you have. They to already pick a know wide they're receiver. taking one in the first round. Yeah. yeah. But, the,
2: but but it, but that. But, it, but I mean, there's <laughs> a scenario that exists where you know you have the Vikings trading up ahead of them or some other team trading up ahead of them because they know they're gonna take one. Yeah. Like, let's say that. Let's say the top four receivers are gone, and then you know Justin Jefferson goes, and then actually somebody trades up to you ahead of you to take Ayuk. Yep. <laughs> and then you're just sitting there like, all right, well. What do I do now?
1: Yeah, and the thing about the Eagles' third-round pick is it's five picks away from being a fourth-round pick. Like they're the third-round pick they have is a compensatory pick. It's super late. It's, it's like one hundred four. one of one hundred
2: three. Is it one hundred three or one hundred four?
1: It's around there, but it's it's five spots away. It's from after a hundred. It's not even a top one hundred pick. Yeah, it's yes, it's it's outside the top one hundred. It's like a couple picks away from being on day three of the draft like you can't just wait till then to get a wide receiver like that's ridiculous so i just think this is and this goes back to the frustration we talked about in last episode about like this them not doing anything in uh either trade or free agency cuz there's no fallback plan it's like okay what if they can't get some receivers in the draft like hopefully they can i think there's a good chance they can but like in the scenario which exists that they can't like i just i, I can't envision it i can't see I can't see how they can afford to not go wide receiver in round one.
2: Yeah, by not by not taking one in free agency, I mean they they really showed the league exactly what they're gonna do. If they don't go wide receiver, this is understating
1: it, but I, I I'd find that to be, you know, very shocking. Jimmy, you did some posts recently on Philly Voice breaking down Matt Pryor. <laughs> the long awaited Matt Pryor and Jannard Avery uh film breakdowns. I'm worried the Avery one, personally. I think the okay. Pryor one, uh we can sum that up quickly, right? Like he's probably yeah. not a long term starter, but can he be? My my vision for Matt Pryor has always been like he can be Alan Barber for you. I don't think he's even that. Okay. See, Alan
2: Barber was really athletic. So he had that guard tackle versatility. And in theory, Pryor has that too. But he's a different kind of player because he's humongous. Like Barbary wasn't that big. Pryor is six, seven. They list him at like like the high three twenties, but I would say he's probably closer to like three fifty. And he looks like it. <laughs> like like he doesn't move that well. Uh his feet are, are pretty slow. Uh he was, you know, very slow to you know sort of recognize things, like st- stunts, twists, blitzes, etc. But you you know, you're gonna expect that from a guy that is getting his first ever uh NFL action. These in the in the three games that he played last year, he played against the Seahawks. Uh, both Seahawks games and against the Giants uh, week 17 after Brandon Brooks got hurt in that game. So he's only played in three games really, uh, at least in the regular offense, getting substantial snaps. So again, there's not a big history of him, not not a big library of of snaps for him to watch, but in the limited snaps that I did see, you know, he's not going to get bull rushed. Like you're not going to move that guy. And if he does latch on, he's got like 11 inch hands. He's got to probably have like some of the biggest hands in the NFL and anytime Jeff Stoutlin has talked about him, he talks about like how if he gets his hands on you, it's over. Like forget it. You're like you're not you're not you're done on that play as a defensive player. But he's just not quick at all. I think you put him on the edge. Speed rushers just kill him out there. And then even a guard, you know, in, in those obvious passing situations, you put like a speedier guy on the inside, and I think he really struggles. So I think he's fine as a backup. But again. It, I think that's really all he is. I don't think he's ever really going to be a, a starter that you want in there. And I question whether he can even play at tackle, which is where they've been cross-training him for a year.
1: For, everyone, for three years, rather. Now everyone has turned off the podcast because we're talking about a backup guard. Uh, <laughs> right. I did want to get into Avery because I think Avery, you Avery, know, he's a kind of an interesting player to look at in terms of the profile, the Eagles trade, a fourth-round pick for this guy, a 2021, I should say, fourth-round pick yeah. for this guy. During the middle of the season last year when we're all like – like, okay, what are they going to do? They have to do something at wide receiver, right? They had nothing at the time, and they don't. And they eschew that position once again and go with a trade for a guy on the Cleveland Browns who wasn't even playing, and it was a fifth-round pick the year before. So for some reason, his value has somehow increased. For I, I don't understand why. And the Eagles make a trade for him. Jimmy, what did you see? watching Denard Avery and like what's the what's the realistic expectation that, of what he's gonna be for the Eagles in twenty twenty, assuming there's even a season.
2: Yeah, so I didn't even look at his like like his just general play in uh in Cleveland. I only looked at like the, the, the sacks that he had and the sacks that he has are pretty impressive. Like you can see how athletic he is and um the different ways that, that you can kind of use him. But the I mean the real drawback for that guy is he's 6 foot and he's got 31-inch arms and you're talking about 1 percentile there for edge rushers in the NFL. Like he's as short as you're going to find and he has the shortest arms of anyone that you're going to find in the NFL really at as an edge rusher. So he's really limited in in you know what he can do as a pass rusher. Yes, he has speed. Yeah, you know, maybe he be can beat you around the edge if if I don't know how you you wouldn't be ready for that if you're if you're an edge rusher but you no, know, if he has to like kind of have some kind of counter move, like forget it because he's not – like there's nothing that he can do with his hands or his arms with his short and his short of arms that, that, that he has. And I think of one-on-one situations that I – so what I did look at was his 30-something snaps with the Eagles and I thought – before I had actually looked at them, I was like, well, this isn't going to be very revealing. <laughs> I'm like what kind of player he is given the extremely small sample size. But uh, it was a little more revealing than, uh, than I had anticipated because you saw like some real negatives to his game. Like for against the run, forget it. Like he was only in there for obvious passing downs. Um, he did make one play that was nice against the run. But, you know, it was kind of like a draw situation where, you know, they're not like power blocking or anything like that. But they didn't, they didn't put him in a position where he'd be like facing a, an obvious run situation. So, passing downs only, really struggled in one-on-one situations against offensive tackles. Where he was effective was when they, they kind of stood him up in a joker role. The problem with that going forward is if you stand him up in a joker role and he's, you know, presumably the fifth guy, like uh, the fifth rusher that is in in the game. If you have like four down linemen and he's standing up, over you know, he's coming like <laughs> they're not going to drop him in the coverage or at least they didn't uh, last year. And uh, so I think what he is. I think what, what the Eagles are going to have to do with him is try to get him to be at least a competent linebacker in coverage and against the run, because if you can't disguise him as a rusher and you know he's coming, he's just easy to neutralize. But at the same time, like, uh, conversely, however, like, if you can send him on blitzes and kind of hide him a little bit, he's very quick to get to the quarterback. So I think he does bring an interesting skill set in that he's very athletic and he can get to the quarterback and he finishes when he gets there. But if you know he's coming, <laughs> like you know, it's either a blitz, so you're gonna, you know, you, you know, you know, you have like numbers on, on, you know, in the secondary where you can exploit that. But also, he's he's easy to handle when you know he's coming. So I don't think it was very good trade, <laughs> personally. Like I think it, he's a projection at best. And the the one interesting thing was like Howie Roseman said that, you know, he was asked about him in his year ending press conference about like uh, how they traded for two guys two years in a row, first you know, in twenty eighteen, Golden Tate and then Gennard Avery the next year, and they couldn't really figure out how to use him. So he's asked about that. And he said, well, Golden Tate was a win now situation. Like we thought we wanted him to contribute immediately. Whereas Jannard Avery was sort of a guy that we knew needed a full-off season with the team. But if you look at like his snap counts, the first game that he played with with the Eagles when he got there, he played three snaps against the Bears. He had a sack and he had that aforementioned nice play on the run play. And then the next game, they amped him up a little bit. They gave him 10 snaps, and it wasn't so good. And then it tailed off thereafter. So, like, they actually did give him a chance. So I don't know if I fully believe that they didn't have any kind of hope that he could contribute last year. But, again, to trade a fourth-round pick for a guy that's really just a projection and was basically a healthy scratch most of the
1: time when he played for the Browns, uh, I wouldn't have done that. And did you mention in there? Because I, I stopped paying attention to me. It was way too long. My attention, my millennial attention span is like five seconds. Did you mention in there that I'm surprised Chris
2: because I I know that that's like a I, I know that's like a, a, a thing that you uh, that's a topic that you love. I will revisit our it.
1: trade. I, I'm dragging today at six four six oh four. But that's 64. that's a
2: topic you love, so I didn't feel bad going long on that one.
1: Well, I hate you now. Um, <laughs> so yeah, not a great trade, but. One thing I wanted to mention about him specifically, though, if you didn't already, is that Chris, Morten said, Chris Mortensen geez, said when they traded for him, because basically I think like the Eagles leaked something to Chris Mortensen. At least that's the way it read. It was like after the Eagles traded for him and so many people were like, why are they giving up this pick for Gennard Avery? It's such a weird move. And right. unexpected. This guy I never heard of. Yeah. I think it was pretty clear that someone put out to Mortensen like, OK, this is why we took this is why we did the deal because yeah, Mortensen yeah, yeah. was like defending the trade. And basically said that the Eagles valued him as a developmental pass rusher. Not a linebacker, a pass rusher. Yeah. So I think his only
2: chance to succeed the NFL is if he's a linebacker. Because he's an edge rusher and you and you know he's coming, he's easy to neutralize.
1: Yeah, and I, I guess I just don't see that happening. So just weird, weird trade to me, and kind of one of many or one of a number of head scratching personnel moves. Uh, by Howie Roseman in this front office in the past span of time, which kind of makes me wonder about kind of what's going on there. Uh, but enough football, Jimmy, because it is a time in which we are quarantined, and there there's more to, there's more to life than football. There yes. is video games, Jimmy. Right. Yes. I didn't even know you played video games at all, as an old man. Uh, <laughs> I didn't even know you knew what they were, and. <laughs> And uh, but apparently you do. What are you playing, Jimmy? What do you? Well, playing I playing? don't. I don't really play video games.
2: I mean, I used to play them like crazy, but I haven't in years and years. Uh, but I will say this: so, like, I did a full reorg of uh, my kids' toys, like everything in the in the in the. Uh, she has a play closet, like where all of our toys are. A lot of that stuff doesn't get played with at all, so all that got boxed up and went into the garage. Then she has a play room. All the stuff that gets played with less. In the playroom, went to the play closet, and then she has, like, a pile of, like, toys that are are left over from Christmas and from her birthday, which was in February. That was just in the living room, and I was just too lazy or too busy to do anything with it. But then I finally had some time, so I started working on that, and I found a Nintendo Switch in there. Like, it was, Mm. I didn't know she even had that. I didn't know who gave it to her. Like, I didn't know it was there. I had no idea. She hadn't played with it. I, I don't know how she wasn't, like, ripping that open and, like, telling me, like, you know, set this up or whatever. But it was just sitting there unopened. I'm like, I didn't even know she had this. Figured out later. It was my brother-in-law, Ron, that gave it to her. Uh, thanks, Ron. Uh, but <laughs> as soon as I saw that, hooked that bad boy up right away. And uh, it took me about two days to beat Mario Odyssey. But nice. I did. And uh, it was a fun game. Like, it, you really got to, like, figure stuff out now. it was uh, got use your brain a little bit in that game. But I, I've enjoyed playing that since I've been playing uh, Super Mario Kart. Oh, should I answer this? Yeah. Yes, Hello. Change to our normal
1: message. All right. That, so that's
2: nothing. That Disappointing. Was no <laughs> <laughs> well, what kind of so, <laughs> voice is that? <laughs> that, was my gra- <laughs> that was my grandma voice. Okay. Uh, girlfriend and I, we bought Mario Kart and we've been playing that a little bit more.
1: Oh. How about you? Well, who do you use? Who do you use? On, on oh, I,
2: I made my own guy. I made the mighty guy that looks like me.
1: So you don't play as one of the characters?
2: No, I play as me. What the hell is that? <laughs> what Isn't that normal?
1: I. On Mario Kart? Yeah. I don't know, man. I I, I don't know. I don't even know how to answer. I don't know how to respond to this. I'm is that not normal? I feel like you gotta play as one of the players. Like, you know. Hashtag
2: Jimmy is not normal.
1: Hashtag Jimmy's not. Normal. Uh
2: if you disagree with me playing as my own guy. Yeah. Hashtag Jimmy is normal. If yes. you think that's totally
1: fine. Okay. Well we'll see how the people weigh in here. Uh I myself, I was playing some Pokemon. She uh sword, sorry. First Pokemon game i played in a super long time since Crystal for the freaking Game Boy Advance. So I was playing that. It's kind of fun. I feel like it's too easy. I feel like they made Pokemon. I mean, obviously it's for kids, so but I feel like they especially <laughs> I feel like it used to be way harder when I was a kid. And maybe that's just a perspective thing, but I'm not yeah. so sure. I think they've like even made it even easier. Um, but whatever. i uh, still enjoyed it. What I've been playing more recently is Call of Duty, Warzone, Jimmy. Uh, fun little multiplayer game, and uh, just won a match yesterday. So it's it's hard to me when you're not good at the game, but when you finally do win, it's a good feeling. Uh, and if you want to get in on this video game talk, if you're a gamer out there or you just like to dabble a little bit, Jimmy, do we have a hashtag for the people who are still listening? Who?
2: Well, why don't uh, we just use the Jimmy is not normal and the Jimmy is normal, okay. and they can also leave their video game takes there.
1: Yeah, so if you have any video game takes of any kind, you can use the hashtags uh, to get in on the conversation. The last thing, Jimmy, very important. I thought it would be kind of a good idea, too, to kind of give some local businesses some shout-outs yes. during this time. wanted to ask you what is some of the best delivery food you've had, or if you haven't had it yet that you might get, Like, you know, what are some places we can kind of shout-out here in this time where people should be... Either buying gift cards or, you know, getting delivery and supporting these local businesses.
2: Yeah, okay. So, uh, I mean, I haven't gotten anywhere new since the quarantine. But uh, my go-to here in Marlton, New Jersey, is a place called Organico Pizza. Fantastic. Fantastic. I personally, I get the – I go grandma pie. Nice. Which is square. And uh, I usually go half pepperoni on that bad boy. And, uh, it's, it's, it's just very, very good. You know, it was all like in- organic ingredients. I think, I feel like like a lot of pizza places in the area here, wh- like while I believe that pizza in this area is, you know, obviously way better than you're going to get it in most of the country, a lot of them taste the same because I think they all like, I think a lot of them kind of buy the, the same ingredients, hmm. but here it has a, it, like, it's not, it's, it has a different taste but it's excellent like it's, it's it's very very flavorful very good. They have regular pizzas too like it's not just grandma pies. Um but their 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 pizzas outstanding. I'll use another place too, another pizza place. Tarantella in Medford, New Jersey on Route 70. Just awesome Italian place and they have a uh, very good pizza there too, specifically their margarita pizza. And uh like their chicken dishes are really good too. So uh if you live in Medford, Marlton or that area, absolutely try Organico pizza. Tarantella doesn't deliver, so that's a little bit a little bit of a bummer. I know uh so we d- we did order that a little bit earlier in the quarantine. I don't know if you would do that now. But Organico will like leave the pizza. I, I tell them to, like leave it on the hood of my car <laughs> like in the driveway mm-hmm. and that's what and that's what they've been doing. So uh I feel like that's reasonably safe. Uh but Tarantella, very good like if you want to I think they, they have like – I think they they maybe have markings on the floor if I recall my girlfriend saying when you went in to pick it up. Yeah. Where like they kind of have like spacing uh, laid out so you're not getting – like they do in all grocery stores now too. So those would be the two. Marlton, Medford area, Organico, Tarantella.
1: How about you? Uh, so for me, I got some really good barbecue uh, over the weekend from Mike's Barbecue in South Philly. Really good. Obviously, if you live in Philly, you probably already know about it, and I'm not breaking news to you or anything. But oh man, it was just like really immaculate. I, I got a um, brisket. It was so good. Uh, it was actually a brisket cheesesteak. Just really, really top notch. The the mac and cheese almost looks like like a macaroni salad or a potato salad. Okay. because um, it's like so thick. Like, but it's just it's it's great. It's amazing. Even uh the ba- banana Q pudding, and uh, what else did I get from there? Something else. Uh, oh, I can't remember. But everything I had from there was amazing. Every single thing. So definitely check out Mike's uh, if you haven't already and you live in Philly. Also got some beer delivered to me. I saw this company in Westchester called uh, Larimer. That's L-I-R-I-M-E-R. Beer. Uh, really good beer. Enjoyed those. Had some of those. And I was listening to another Eagles podcast that happens to be out there to have uh, we've, we've referenced it before on this show. Okay. And Zach Berman was talking about his history with insomnia cookies and I've never tried them so I was like you know what this is at top of mind right now I'm just gonna do it and I did it I got some insomnia cookies late at night one night and it was a great decision they were what did, you, what did you go with okay so so this is even better I, I have to give a shout out a special shout out to insomnia cookies so I ordered uh, six. Uh, So it's like you get five regular ones and then a special like bigger six one. They didn't have my favorite. Well, I I haven't tried them before, so I know it's my favorite. But what I would presume is my favorite in like a a chocolate peanut butter kind of one, a special one. So they texted me and they're like, hey, we don't have this. It'll be extra time if you want to wait for it. Or we can just double your order uh, of the six to 12 and we'll throw in a different kind of big cookie. And I was like, yeah, sure, why not? Why not? I'm I'm getting 12 cookies. (laughs) Sure, as long as I'm packing
2: on the calories, just add add up some more. Yeah,
1: why not? So uh, I did it. It was a great move. They gave me a salted caramel as the replacement. And the other ones were like mint, uh, double chocolate chunk, uh, just regular double chocolate. Uh, I tried a macadamia nut one. I tried oatmeal raisin. And there was a peanut butter chip one, different than the chocolate peanut butter thing that I wanted and they didn't have. But all very good. Uh, so yeah, big shout out to them, and I think that's all I got. Have you, uh, have you been getting out and exercising? I have. I, I am a big walker. I am. Okay. I am literally six foot nine, so I am both literally and figuratively a big walker. <laughs> right. uh, very long strides. <laughs> okay. So, so yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm kind of trying to go at times where people aren't around, and honestly, Jimmy, I have to say. There's some cons- I gotta get a little worked up or concerned because like I feel like not everyone is adhering to the social distancing as much as they should be. Yes, I, I see some areas that are like a little too busy for my comfort level. Yes, so obviously avoiding those. Uh, and I got some masks, so I'm all good to go and everything when I, if I'm going to the store. But still, I just I, I don't love to see it.
2: The uh, so I Stay was home. running. I was running the other day. There was these little kids. Like a lot of people just are hanging out outside my neighborhood. And there's especially the last two days where it's been really nice this kid was blowing bubbles and uh, as I was running like I would normally never think anything of it and I didn't think anything of it as I was approaching them the bubbles were like coming out like into the street like where I was running and then I realized like last second I'm like like these are like death orbs. <laughs> like these <laughs> these are like potential coronavirus breath they could bubbles. Be. So like I like sprinted away from them. I must have looked like a lunatic. <laughs> and, and then the other thing was uh I got lost in the woods today on a mm. <laughs> on a bike ride with uh with my girlfriend again. We went to uh Rancocas State Park, I guess in Haynesport, New Jersey. We were looking at a map. And, like, where it says, like, the parking lot is on the map, I guess, like, we thought the trail was uh, – an easier way to put this would be we didn't park where the parking lot on the map was. <laughs> we parked somewhere else. So, like, where we were entering this terrain was not where, like, we thought we were on the map. And we just went off. Like, it was, like – it was this crazy trail. Like, all these huge hills, like, going like downhills where, like, you know, when you're going down, like, you're really – you're going really fast, like, down these hills. And then, like on the on the way back up, like it's to the point where you can't even pedal; like you gotta walk your bike up. And we just went kind of deep in, and we realized this ain't it. Like, <laughs> like this this is not like a normal trail for bike for you know, for riding your bike. And then we realized that we were like on completely the other side of the river; like we were nowhere near like where the trail maps were. <laughs> and we were just kind of like out in the middle of the woods, so we kind of had to like figure out our way back. Uh, which was not super easy. You'd think it would be easy to just retrace your way back, but it wasn't super easy. But we, we kind of got lost in the woods a little bit. If I were a Boy Scout, I would have definitely failed. Like, I am not I, I'm not good in nature. <laughs> like, I was terrible trying to find my way back. So uh, if you ever lost in the woods with me, good luck, or you better have some skills because you're
1: screwed. Anything else for me for no, up here? That's all I got. I will say hashtag BGN eats if you want to get in on the restaurant conversation. And if you have any good recommendations that you want to give me specifically from Philly or Jimmy, but spe- specifically F- me Philly especially. or
2: really really any town, just where, say like where you're from, where, where where do you like to eat, and uh, you know give them a little bit of uh, publicity because the small businesses are really they're getting. I mean, they're they're like I just bought Shake Shack,
1: <laughs> like. On, uh,
2: Like the stock Shake Shack, because uh, my feeling is like you know a lot of these small businesses are going to go out of business, and you know that'll be one that's definitely standing when when this is all over. But I don't want that to happen. Like these small like, there's going to be like a lot of restaurants that that you patronize now that may not be there when uh, when this is all over. So you know, the more that you can patronize these businesses, the better chance they have of making it through this, you know, just awfulness. Uh, So if if you do put, you know, hashtag BGN Eats, say where you're from and say the name of the business
1: and, uh, you know, maybe we can help those guys stay afloat a little bit. I have been Brandon Lee Gouten. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon Gouten. You can follow Jimmy Kemsky from Philly Voice on Twitter at Jimmy Kemski. You can follow BGN Radio on Twitter at BGN underscore radio. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave a review, download, rate, all that good stuff. Please help support us as we help support you, hopefully, give you a little uh, things to little piece of mind, maybe a little distraction, something. Uh, we enjoy the conversation with you always. Thank you for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Goodbye, everybody. PGN.
0: More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals.